Dear Father, we ask you, Lord, to give us your presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit. Speak to us today, Lord. We want to see your face. We want to hear your voice. We want to understand your heart. Point us, Lord, as your church in the right direction. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. What a privilege to be with you today. I will be with you next Sabbath too as we introduce the new pastor for Slake, Pastor Matt Smith. I'm looking forward to that. What a beautiful opportunity. I praise the Lord because you are faithful. Praise the Lord for the way you have supported the church during a pandemic. I want you to know that your faithfulness helps the church be faithful in many other places. Your faithfulness is helping all the churches around the conference. We're 20 we're 326 churches right now, more than 66,000 members. And we care for every one of them. It doesn't matter where they are. And this church is supporting the mission, supporting ministry in many other places as well as in this beautiful campus that you have here. Where do we go from here, Pastor, is the question that I get everywhere I go. As I go from church to church every Sabbath, where do we go from here? Since I don't have an hour and a half to answer the question, <laughs> I, I have a short answer. It's a very short statement. And I believe it's a beautiful statement. I always answer we are going home. So where are we going from here? We are going home. Because we are tired of wandering around in this world. And we want to go back home. We want to go back to where we belong. We don't belong to this world. And I do believe if you, if you allow me to answer the question in another two minutes, I do believe that the winds are blowing and that, the, that God is holding the winds, saying, hold the winds, don't destroy the earth, because I want to seal those that are mine. And I do believe that the church has a role to play in the world today. Where do we go from here? How is the church going to look like in the realities of our world today? How are we going to conduct a mission in a world that is hardly recognizable? Are we going to go back to the church that we had pre-pandemic? Are we going to adjust to the challenges and the realities that we're facing today. Everybody reacts differently. I believe 
And the truth is that we're still in a reactive mode. But we need to go from reacting into being proactive because the Lord is expecting something from us. Some people develop defensive mechanisms. And as I go from place to place, I hear people telling me, Pastor, we don't understand why has the church closed and why we have gone to online meetings. And some people would like to pretend that nothing happened. I heard about two persons last week that were saying for a year and a half that they didn't believe the virus was real, that they didn't believe in the, in, in the vaccine, and now they are in the hospital with the virus. Some people develop these mechanisms, saying to themselves, nothing happened. Nothing happened. All the people, the other extreme, they are saying or they believe that the world stopped back in March last year. It's like they want to continue in isolation and quarantine forever. In addition to all of that, we need to recognize that we are dealing with forces, social, political, economical, forces, economic forces, that are looking for, our, for an audience. They're trying to garner and gather attention. And uh, we need to understand that these forces have created a new paradigm that we don't understand, concepts that are really hard to keep up with. Sometimes I'm talking to young people and they use words that I've, I don't understand. What is that? What is that terminology? And I, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to believe that I'm old or out of context, but it's just that new terminology is being created every day. And, and uh, and, and, and I'm sitting at a table with my sons and, and my children, and they're talking about things that I don't know how to react to. The reality is that we're living in a world that is hard to keep up with. There's so much information and redefinition of reality in our society today. And sometimes we don't know what to say. These approaches are competing, as I said, for influence and audience. I believe that as a church, we need to ask God to give us discernment, to be able to decipher what is essential from all the noise that is confusing us today. As we approach the second coming of Jesus, I believe the church has a role to play in the world today. Do you believe that we have a role to play? 
This is what I can share with you today after careful analysis of the data that has been presented to us, published by research companies, Barna, Pew Research, Lifeway Research. By the way, all the data is coherent, regardless of the company that is doing the research. These people, they do research in a quantitative way. Thousands of people are responding. And they have concluded that people are coming back to church. So at the beginning, when, when we went into um, isolation, the experts were saying, we will never go back to church again. We're going to remain online forever. You better get used to it. That little square in the screen. Now, a year and a half after, the same experts are saying 91% of church goers are saying they are coming back to church. That they are tired of online services. <laughs> Let me go back to my notes because you got the point. One in three Christians stopped attending online church services back in July last year, one in three. Today, 82% of those that were attending online churches are totally disconnected. And pastors from different denominations are saying that virtual attendance has dropped exponentially. The experts are also saying, based on research, that young adults top both lists. More than one-third, almost 40% of respondents from age 18 to 29, that age group, say their faith grew during the pandemic. So, for as long as I've been alive, I've heard this concept that young adults are disconnected from God that they're leaving the church. And now we find out that this is the age group that is willing to lead, is willing to come back to church. We now learn that young adults are ready to lead. The problem is that they say that they don't know what to believe anymore. So here is the, the challenge that we have, and also the opportunity. I don't talk about challenges ever without talking about opportunity. There are many opportunities for us to take advantage of here as a church. That is why I believe the church has a role to play, because young adults are saying we want to re-engage with God. We want to be part of a faith community. We want to be part of the church, but we don't know what to believe anymore. So now the church should be prepared to give answers. Not only to say what they need to believe, but we need to be able to leave the gospel ourselves. 
Because people are tired of being said what to do. People, these young people, they want to see it in us. They want to see Jesus represented in us. Let me share with you that I believe we must move forward with purpose and direction in mind. I believe that the church needs to readjust. We need to come back and reorganize ourselves to be able to answer the realities of our world today. I do believe that the gospel is the answer for lost people. I do believe that the gospel is the answer for justice. I do believe that the gospel is the answer for those that are looking for transformation and reconciliation with God. I believe that Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. Let us lift him up. Jesus. Ellen G. White said it more than a hundred years ago. This is what she said. Lift up Jesus. You that teach the people. Lift him up in sermon, in song, in prayer. Let all your powers be directed to pointing souls, confused, lost, to the Lamb of God. Lift him up the recent Savior, and say to all who here come to him who hath loved us and hath given himself for us. Let the science of salvation be the burden of every sermon, the theme of every son. Let it be poured forth in every supplication. Bring nothing into your preaching to supplement Christ. The wisdom and power of God hold forth the word of life, presenting Jesus as the hope of the penitent and the stronghold of every believer. Reveal the way of peace to the troubled and the hopeless and show forth the grace and completeness of the Savior in your life. One hundred plus years ago, she wrote what I believe is the role that the church needs to play today. Lift up Jesus. Teach Jesus. Sing Jesus. Represent Jesus. Leave Jesus. Let me put it this way. Allow me to justify what I'm trying to convey. I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to put it very practical for you. Our Christianity is a Christian blog where thousands of people share their thoughts. They talk about theology. They talk about social issues, politics. They talk about everything. There was a question that was raised a few months ago. This is not, this, is, this was in the middle of a pandemic. Close your eyes, picture God. What do you see? That was the question. Again, thousands of people participated. You know, a lot of people 
describe God as a icy light. All the people saw a path going nowhere, disappearing in the distance. All the people describe God as, as a force in their lives. Um, all the people expressed that they saw an old man, something like a displeased old man. All the people ventured to describe an unrecognizable being with several characteristics. But the most common answer was, I see nothing. I see nothing. When I close my eyes and I try to picture God, I see nothing. I believe that the church today needs to be able to show something. I believe that our lives should be lived in a way that we're able to show something. I believe that as Christians, we should be able to see, feel, experience something. something. I believe that as we prepare ourselves for a post-pandemic, post-pandemic ministry or church, we need to be able to regroup and we need to be able to show something. A young lady wrote, and I'm making my point here, I see nothing, she wrote. I'm really struggling with how God interacts and approaches us. I mean, we are told of this agape love, this perfect, I am here for you, have felt it all, love so that he understands our suffering. And yet, she says, I'm so oftentimes left feeling alone. The great God who created the universe for all appearances has gone silent and distant, save for a book, the Bible. I'm quoting what she wrote. I mean, if a child was telling me they were scared, I wouldn't just sit there silently and slide a note saying I love them across the table. At them, I'm, I'm reading what she wrote. I just don't get it. I know. I hear my grace is sufficient for you. Cling to the promises. They aren't wavering no matter what I feel, but would it be nicer to have that whisper like Elijah, like the prophet had after the earthquake that seems to be my life right now? This is how the younger generation are describing their relationship with God. They're empty. They see nothing. They are confused. They don't feel anything. I do believe that we have a work to do. I do believe that the church has a huge role to play. I do believe that we should be here for those young people that are going to return. And I do believe that we should be able to 
teach them and have them understand how to see more than a little note that says, I love you, I understand you, but I'm far away from you. Close your eyes and picture God. What do you see for your church? I would suggest that it's unfair, very unfair, to say that God remains silent and distant. And the only thing that he has done was to send us a note telling us that he loves us through the Bible. Yes, the Bible is that letter that God sent us to tell us that he loves us. But beyond the Bible, God came in the flesh to save us. How can we say that we see nothing when God himself made himself in the likeness of us and came to this world to live among us? The New Testament narrates how the Messiah was going to come, the Old Testament tells us about how the Messiah was going to come. The New Testament narrates the God who came to live among us. God came to this world in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. And God remains with his children through the presence of the Holy Spirit. How is it possible that we don't see anything? It is very interesting, even concerning that Christians, even Christians, express that they don't know how to relate to God. Because there are Christians, those that have developed an intimate relationship with the Lord, they manifest that God is real. I give testimony that God is as real as I am speaking to you today. If you allow me to describe how God is real in my life, I would say something like this. I perceive God always working in the practical realities of my life. Do you? Do you? I know I have a real and personal love relationship with God. I know that God has called me to serve him. Do you? I feel how God speaks to me through the Holy Spirit, through the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and you, the church. I clearly see God's way and purposes for us. Do you? I do find myself going through trials and temptations that require the intervention of the Holy Spirit as I make decisions that demand faith. An action. I find myself making adjustments in my life as I fervently look for uh, to unite myself with God and find the right perspective of what it means to be a follower of Christ. I have come to know God through experience as I surrender myself to God and see Him working through the, my life and the life of others. The 
challenge here is that we have presented a Savior that will make your life perfect. And that is not the gospel. We want to preach about the Jesus that calmed the storm and multiplied bread and wine and, and healed the people and resurrected people. We want to, we want to pray about the, 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 the wonderful, majestic ministry of Jesus, but we forget that he was also sweating blood in the Garden of Gethsemane, that he had questions for God. Can you pass the cup from me? So we don't want to look at those uh, parts of Jesus' life because we want, we want God to fix our life in a way that, that we understand that God exists. And when God says, no, you need to go to the Gethsemane, then we say we see nothing. God is distant. Dear church, I tell you, I call you, be careful with those concepts, those gospels that are being preached. We call them different ways, the American gospel, the prosperity gospel. They tell you that everything is going to be perfect for you. If you did this, you're going to be okay. And, and I tell you, I tell you, sometimes God says, I'm sovereign. You will have to go through this. And that is going to be good for you. Because you need to grow. You need to understand that I'm sovereign. That even through difficulties and challenges, I am there with you. The idea that God operates in a vacuum is not a good concept. The idea that God is going to fix everything for you, the way you wanted it to be fixed, is not a good concept. The right concept is that you surrender to God. And even through difficulties and questions that you don't have the answer to. You trust in the Lord. He's there with you. God does not operate in a vacuum. God is not an idea or, or a philosophy or a light or an alien being. God is real. The Apostle Paul put it this way in his letter to the Colossians, the Son is the image of the invisible God, when you close your eyes and you picture the Father, you picture God, what you need to see is Jesus. Because the invisible God made himself visible for your sake. God made himself visible to reconcile all things, the mystery that was kept hidden for ages and generations is now disclosed to the people of God, to those God chose to make it known. In the letter to the church in Philippi, Paul said the same thing. Jesus, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something 
to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. To the church, to the Galatians, Paul wrote, but when the time, the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, to redeem his children and call them his children. Peter said it this way, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty ways of your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed to you so that you can see it, so that you can touch it, so that he can be real in your life. Jesus was real. How can you say that the only thing that God has done is to send us a note saying, I love you, and he remains far from you. Jesus made himself in the likeness of us. God, the invisible God, made himself visible for you and for me. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him we believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith, your faith, my faith, and hope are in God. When Jesus was trying to explain to the disciples who he was, when they were not able to see that God was with them. And Philip asked the famous question, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough. That will be enough for us. He was so confused. He had been with Jesus for more than three years. This statement was made previous to the crucifixion of of Jesus. And there is Philip asking, show us the Father, and that will be enough. Oh, Jesus. Jesus answered with a lot of pain in his heart. He said, Philip, Philip, don't you know me? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? Believe me when I say that I am, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. When you try to picture God, I invite you to see Jesus. I want you to see Jesus. Those who do not know Jesus will never get to know God. 
When we close our eyes, whom we have to see is Christ. I would suggest to you that we need to see Jesus and his life, his ministry, his words, his miracles, his sacrifice. He's real. He had beautiful moments in his life as he had difficult moments. See him walking the roads of Palestine. See him celebrating at the wedding in Cana. See him fishing with his friends. Look at him working with his father in the carpentry. See him taking care of his mother and his siblings when Joseph died. Look at him also as a refugee in the land of Egypt, fleeing from Herod's decree. Look at him alone in the desert. Look at him betrayed by his friends. Look at him beaten and heartbroken. Look at him Resisting all temptation, see him screaming with all the might of his lungs, hanging on a cross. Father, why have you forsaken me? Also see him risen and interceding before the Father for our needs. Someone who knows us because he lived our life. Someone who knows us so well that tasted death. Jesus is none other than the invisible God who made himself visible for you and me to see God. And as we looked at the studies, and as we look at our society, and as I go from church to church, and I get these questions about what we're going to do, I believe that what we need to do in these last times, previous to the second coming of Jesus, is to present, is to live, is to teach, is to sing Jesus. Jesus. We need to stop living a religion based on things, on doing things or not doing things. We need to transition. We need a, a paradigm shift in our minds. These younger generations, they can Google everything. Sometimes I'm surprised by the questions that my children pose to me said, Dad, I heard this, and I read this article, and I said, what do you get that idea from? Google. And I, be I believe Google is good, but I also believe that our children should not be educated by Google or YouTube or, let me go back to my notes, you get the point. We need a transformation. We need to shift our minds from an information-based religion to an intimate relationship with God. We need to go beyond information to knowledge. We need to go back to the Bible even more. We need to leave the Bible. From knowledge to discernment as a result of an intimate relationship with the Lord. A relationship that produces change and transformation. People are desperate looking for change and transformation. The world is falling apart. The world is lost. And I believe the church has the answers. I believe we have the answers. I believe we have a wonderful, beautiful message as Adventists. Jesus is coming again. And Jesus is coming soon. Get ready for that. We're going home. We need to go 
from a life based on what to do to a life where living according to God's will becomes a delight, a joy, and peace of mind. We need to move from moments of prayer to a continuous attitude of prayer that is defined as communion with God. We need to move from seeing nothing to being able to see the invisible with the eyes of faith. I finish with this story. It's a very old story, but it goes well with the message. As we prepare to face the challenges that this world is throwing at us, as we regroup, as we reorganize ourselves, as we come back to church, as our Young adults, come back to church. I believe we need to make sure that we have a plan, that we know where we're going, that, that we have a message, that we are living God's principles and values because they're looking for that. A church member asked the new pastor, to stop by her house and pray with her father. When we arrived, the man was lying in bed with his head propped up on two pillows with an empty chair by his bedside. The pastor assumed he had been informed of his visit. I guess you were expecting me, he said. No, who are you? He replied. Pastor introduced himself and explained that he has stopped by to pray with him, that his daughter has asked him to come. And he then commented on the chair, saying, I notice an empty chair. Did you have a visitor recently? Oh, the chair, he said. The bedbound man said, Would you mind? closing the door. I don't want my daughter to hear what I'm going to tell you. Apostle, the pastor, shut the door. He said, I have never told anyone this, not even my daughter. All my life I've been in church. All my life I've gone to church. And all my life I have struggled to relate to God all my life. Been sitting in pews all my life. I have never known how to relate to God. I can tell you about church. I can tell you about church politics. I can tell you about how things should be done. I can tell you about the things that I've heard. But I have struggled all my life to relate to God. In fact, I abandoned any attempt at prayer. Then, one day, about four years ago, my best friend came to visit me. And he said, Johnny, talking to God is just a simple matter. It's us having a conversation with Jesus. 
with Jesus, he said. Yes, Jesus. You see, one thing is to know the story of Jesus. And another thing is having an intimate relationship with Jesus. Two different things. He suggested I sit down in a chair and place an empty chair in front of me. Then he said, in faith, see Jesus sitting in that chair. Then he said, it's not spooky because he promised I'll be with you every day. Then just talk to him in the same way we're talking to each other now. Jesus is real. He will talk to you. His presence will be with you. And you are going to learn to love him as much as he loves you. Try it. So I tried it. And I've liked it so much that I, I do it a couple of times a day. I'm careful, though. I don't want my daughter to believe that I'm having a nervous breakdown or believe that I'm losing my mind. This really moved the pastor. They prayed, and he went on with other visits. Two nights later, the daughter called the pastor to tell him that her daddy had died that afternoon. Did he die in peace? The pastor asked. Yes. When I left the house, about 2 o'clock, he called me over to his bedside. He told me he loved me and kissed me on the cheek and asked me to move a chair that was always there in the room closer, move it closer to the bed. When I got back from the store an hour later, I found him dead. But past, there was something strange about his death. Apparently, just before daddy died, he leaned over and rested his head in the chair beside the bed. It looked like he had been speaking with someone that was sitting in that chair and tried to lay his head on the lap of his person. Do you know anything about that? Well, pastor said, I believe that your father had a very special relationship with Jesus. I also believe that was Jesus, the one who was sitting on that chair. I tell you these stories, and I share my, I've shared my heart with you today, because I do believe that we have a lot to do. I do believe that we have a role to play. And I do believe that God has given us the opportunity to live in the world today. Because the church, we have answers. We do. And we're called to represent Jesus in everything we do. Two weeks ago, my father passed away. He was struggling 
he was in the hospital, critical care for nine days, and I was there sitting next to him. All that I've shared with you today, I experienced it myself. I'm not talking to you from an empty heart. I can share with you that Jesus is real. That Jesus was there in that room. That even though he did not give me and my mother and my brother and sister and the family the answer that we prayed for, I praise him. Because in his wisdom and love and grace, he loved my father so much that he decided to allow him to rest, to sleep, until he comes again. He is real. He is real. Don't close your eyes and see nothing. There's a lot that you can see. There's a lot that you can see. You can see the heart of God through Jesus Christ. So I finish with this text that I read, I don't know, a thousand times every day. It is for me as it is for you. Someone wrote it for you. Hebrews chapter 11. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without Jesus in your life, it is impossible to see God. Because anyone who comes to Jesus asking Jesus for something must believe that he is real, that he exists, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I don't know what you're going through in your life. You might be going through difficulties and and challenges and trials and, and pain. If that is the case, I want you to know that Jesus is there with you. That God is there with you as he was with Jesus when he was crucified, when he was sweating blood. If you're doing well, if you're healthy and happy, Praise the Lord. Sing a song for him. Lift him up in prayer, in song, in supplication. Tell the world that Jesus has been good to you. And prepare yourself. Because what has been predicted, prophesied, the signs of the Bible what the prophets wrote about the last times, I believe we're living in those days already. Open your eyes. There's a lot to be seen.
Jesus is coming again. Let us go home. Let us go home, dear church. God bless you today.